Well, hey, Paul, this is uh, the Christmas episode for 2022. Last year, we did an episode that was very much Christmas focused, but this year it's going to be a little bit of Christmas, but not completely. I wouldn't call this a Christmas episode per se. No, that's right. But actually, I should point out, you did call it Christmas 2022. So we're getting very much ahead of ourselves. Oh, I am jumping ahead. Yeah, we're, we're yeah. still. Unfortunately, we're still in 2021 under the, the guise of coronavirus. So, yeah. That's true. Yeah, I guess I'm trying to push things forward. But uh, so yeah. 2021 Christmas episode, episode mm-hmm. 65, I think this is, right? Yeah. That's still amazing. Every time I hear episode 65, 64, you know, it's amazing that we've come so far. It seems like I've been doing well, this Well, some forever. people might think we have, but... Uh, yeah. <laughs> As long as well, we think we've come come a long way, I, I yeah. think that's the important part. Well, well, those who didn't who don't like us, I'm sure would have tuned us out a long, long time ago. That's right. What do they say? <laughs> if you don't want to listen to it, don't don't change the station. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, it's amazing. Here, here we are, Christmas. It's uh, it's been a it's been a few weeks since we've done an episode, so it's good to reconnect and uh, good to catch up on stuff. Yeah, and we got some updates, and I think you're going to give us the agenda, right? That's right. Yeah. Um, so today's episode, just to run over, go over a few things that we wanted to talk about today. Um, as you had mentioned, yes, we have some updates on some of the prior topics that we have tackled uh, a couple weeks back. Um, I believe maybe two to three episodes ago. So fairly recent stuff. Um, another thing we wanted to talk about is that you recently applied for a rather unique job. Uh, so you wanted to talk a little bit about your experiences, uh, putting together that application. Yes. This is kind of, kind of unique. So I I think our our listeners will be curious to know what that's all about. Um, you mentioned that we have some listener mail. I'm excited to hear that. We do. we, We haven't had a lot of listener mail. We've had feedback, but... You know, well, I've oh, hidden oh, oh. most of it from you because I didn't want it to hurt your feelings. Yeah, you, you took away all the death threats and the... Uh, <laughs> yeah, once I filtered all, through all the... All the, nasty all the stuff, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, hey, we, we've got listener mail. I have visions of you with this huge bag of mail, dumping it out and sifting through all the letters. But uh, I think let er, perhaps. You know, yes, we, I, we've I, got... Uh, don't get people's hopes up. We, we've okay. got... After I filtered through all the nasty stuff, I have one letter that I think is shareable uh, okay. on the um, air. Only one did not contain profanity and death threats, right? <laughs> yes, correct. Yeah. Uh, we want to do our rapid fire. Uh, f- for our listeners, this is a segment, fairly recent segment that we have put together um, over the, the last couple of episodes. And we have a lot of fun doing this. So, uh, yeah, this is going to be rapid fire, something that, that we want to keep going because it's, it's fun to tackle these, you know, these short question and answer periods and uh, have some laughs while doing it. It's perfect um, because people that think we ramble on are quite delighted that we limit ourselves to two minutes per topic. Yeah, that's right. It keeps us in check. That way you're yes. right. we don't want to, don't want to keep rambling on because we, we've known to be, uh, we can do that every once in a while. We can do that. Although I think some people find comfort in it. Yeah. All right. Well, we can ramble for hours if people find comfort in that. It can be arranged. <laughs> um, you've got some weird news stories that's always fun to listen to. And we're just going to wrap things up by talking about what we're watching, what we're reading, that type of thing. Uh, so it's always interesting to uh, to know what's going on in that. So, yeah, I think we got a an action-packed episode. So let's, let's jump right in. Okay. Well, let me just start, first start off by a quick update on personal goal. Remember, we had our two personal goals we were working on, and I think yours is kind of parked for now, the Navbadia goal. Uh, But I wanted to just give a quick update that there really isn't much of an update on my memory goal. I was supposed to book an appointment this month in March, in sorry, in December, and have yet to do so. And now with the holidays and Omicron and and all that, it's kind of on the back burner. So I'll look to do that in, in January. So no, that's just a quick update in case people were just to be held accountable. So in case people were wondering. Okay. Very good. Yeah. And I guess that's good segue into, uh, into some of our updates. You mentioned about the, the nav Badia or. Yes. Yes. So yes, I know we had one listener who's told us it's Badja, which I think we've since found out is incorrect, but uh, I think it is just Badia. Okay. 
But anyway, we we uh, well, we should one day confirm how to pronounce his name. But yes, there is an update. So yeah, listeners well, who go ahead. Well, yeah, I was going to say I don't want to keep you know um, belaboring the point here with 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 Nav Badia. Um, but yeah, just to kind of put a, a bow on on that whole conversation and and challenge that we had regarding him. Um, the reason why we wanted to bring him up is because he was in the news recently. With everything going on with the coronavirus, the Omicron variant, um, in the news, I'm sure anyone who is a sports fan realizes that there's been a lot of professional sports games that have been um, postponed, rescheduled, and the NBA has certainly um, been a victim to that. Yeah. So part of that is because um, Nav Badia, he, he was on a trip Um I think he was some kind of a, a charitable, charitable trip that he did. Uh, I forget where. I think it could have actually been Africa. What's happened here is Nav Badia missed his first Raptors game in twenty-five Ever. years for, since nineteen ninety-five. So 1995 it's the first home yeah. game he's missed since the Toronto franchise yep. joined the NBA in nineteen ninety-five. Yep. That's right. He was attending something called the Giants of Africa Gala yeah. event. Yep. There was the, the the vice chairman and president of this event tested positive for COVID-19. So the Toronto Public Health request was that everyone in, a, in attendance at the event, uh, calling it an incredible event that, that followed all protocols, by the way, um, according to him, uh, that he was and he wasn't experiencing any symptoms, but he did test positive. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I got that incorrect. So, the president and vice chairman Masai Ujiri, yep, he he tested positive, and so Toronto Public Health said anyone in, t in attendance at that event had to uh, isolate, and so he's not able to. He was unable to attend the game after yep. 25 years. It's yeah. a very sad day for Nev Badia. <laughs> Yeah, well, it just sort of underlines how remarkable his story is. And obviously, we talked about how, you know, they're making a movie and a biopic of him and everything. Um, yes, but biopic yeah, or biopic? Biopic, I suppose, whatever is the proper way to announce that. Have you always said biopic whenever yeah, you see that word? Yeah, I have, actually. I don't know if that's right. I, or, it's or, biopic, isn't it? All right. Either way, yeah, here we go. We're talking about a guy who missed his first home game in 26 years. That is that is truly remarkable when you really think about it. Like, mm -hmm. think about, you know, the number of times you go to, you know, the, the Blue Jays game or we've talked about the Oshawa Generals, a local hockey team close to where we live. Like, going to every single game, I believe that's 42 home games a year for 26 years. That That is remarkable. Uh, it is ach achievement in itself. So uh, yeah, it just it's it's worthy of a of a shout out to say that uh, yeah this this made the headlines in the news the fact that he had to miss his first game and he felt so bad about it and but obviously he was cheering on the team watching from home. Well, he also had in his tweet he said he had two requests. He said number one to uh, you know cheer on and and uh, in in his absence and number two. Is he wanted people to acknowledge his Cal Penn, Cal Penn, C A K A L Penn, mm -hmm. the actor who is going to be playing him in that biopic you were mentioning. Biopic, you mean? <laughs> yeah. Cal Penn with a C. No, with a K. With a K. And he was with the guy K. in that where Kumar and so and so go to White Castle. What was the name of that movie? Yeah, Harold and Kumar go to White Castle, which is actually a pretty funny movie. Uh, yeah, so Cal well, Penn from that movie. Cal Penn was in that movie, right? Yes, he was. Yeah, he's yeah. playing. He's playing Nav Badia in the Raptor or in the biopic. He yeah. so he went in his place to the game. Is my understanding okay? Which right. uh, I don't know if he dressed up like Nav Badia, but he <laughs> did go to the game. We should actually look into that. Okay, cool. that's that's kind of it for Nav. We wanted to, and and the other point of that too is that we decided that because Nav Badia wants uh, $5,000 in donations to his charity before he'll agree to make a, an appearance on our show, probably any show. Um, we parked that one for now until we figure out a, a viable way to raise those funds. 
yeah, that could be a while before we figure that one out. <laughs> uh, the other update we want to talk about, um, I believe it was two, maybe two episodes ago, or at least for you and I. If you recall, we talked about that autonomous vehicle. Oh, I should mention we have some construction going on in our house right now. Um, so we'll have to work around it. I'll let you give the update on the bus, and I'm going to mute this so it doesn't come through. Okay, good idea. So, yeah, I wanted to provide an update. Um, we, we talked about autonomous vehicles. And the reason we talked about it is because there was a vehicle that was um, put together. It was, the, well, I live in a town called Whitby. And, yeah, we, we showed some photographs of this autonomous vehicle uh, that was, I guess, a pilot project by the town. It had funding from one of the local colleges um, from the province, various levels of government contributed to this thing, which I'm sure was very, very expensive. And I, I just questioned the, the practicality. Of and this we witnessed because, it. We saw it. We saw it driving. Oh yeah. Yeah. We, we, we wondered how this thing could be practical considering it only drives 20 kilometers an hour, which is not very fast. And it only holds maybe about six people and it has a driver on board. So apparently, I was doing a little research on this. The reason why there's a there's still a driver or a person on board is to monitor the vehicle in case they have to take over the controls for whatever reason, which is weird in itself. In that, does that mean you're not trusting the technology? The fact that you're no, still that's, having a that's person normal. on board. That's normal. Okay. Last week, uh, apparently there was, and this is very sort of a mysterious circumstances here, but it, it crashed. So in the, it made all, as I said, it made all the, the news headlines. Apparently this autonomous vehicle crashed into a tree. And I, normally this would be a, a very humorous thing to talk about. But unfortunately, the, the driver of this autonomous vehicle. Or was, the attendant. The, the attendant, I should say, was actually injured quite bad. Um, apparently he was in critical condition, taken to hospital. So, um, you know, our, our thoughts go out to him. Hopefully he's he's... He recovers and, um, you know, nobody, uh, hopefully there's no fatalities here, but it's just, it's so bizarre, this thing. Like, it, it did it lose control? Like, I just, I have visions of like rise of the machines where this thing just went yep. berserk and just smashed into a tree. And I, I don't think we really know the answer to that because from what I can tell, the investigation is still ongoing. Yep. So there hasn't been any um, news updates about, um, you know, what caused this crash, but it was so bizarre. And we have photos of it. Um, one of the, the local residents on our, uh, on our Facebook group page had posted a photo of this thing, like, crumpled in front of a tree, and, and one of the, the news stations had posted photos. So we can put that on our show notes so you can get an idea as to what this thing's all about. But, yeah. again, just, again, circling back to... to you know the the bizarre oddity of of these circumstances with this, you know, this pilot project. I, I have, I, I my prediction is that this thing is going to be shelved permanently. That this was a, a very short lived experiment, and if there's, you know, this autonomous vehicle is probably going to be destined to be uh, shoved in a warehouse somewhere for the end of eternity. Well, and that's in reading some of the comments. Either it was in the news article or on your on that Facebook thing. It there was a lot of people saying things like, "You see what happens when you try to automate," and a lot of a lot of "I told you so" started coming through in the comments, which which bothered me because I think people are just fearful of technology and aren't necessarily open to things like this and and to me it just added more fuel to the whole i told you so part of it yeah i think my angle on it was the fact that you know as a taxpayer i'm wondering how much is this thing costing in that how practical is this thing i'm not against autonomous vehicles because it's I, coming I, I this will be a regular thing this this is coming no, I, and it's no, I, now I, it's going to take a bit longer but it's coming no i and i agree with you on that part autonomous vehicles they are it, it is the wave of the future but just this vehicle, it just seems so impractical. And I'm just, you know, as you said, I, it was it was a curiosity for me even before this crash. And now you add in the crash, the the bizarre nature of this these circumstances, it just uh, 
it just makes the the entire situation rather puzzling to me. Well, so apparently there's another automated shuttle in West Rouge. It's uh, okay. they are calling it a rival shuttle. It's operated by the Toronto Transit Commission or TTC for short and Metrolinx, and they're the ones that run the subway and and commuter train systems here. That they had begun testing a vehicle, an automated shuttle, a self-driving shuttle bus running in a loop from the Rouge Hill GO station. And apparently, because of what happened in Whitby, they've decided to pause the trial for the West Rouge shuttle until they can figure out what happened. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure this investigation will take months, if not years, knowing the the very slow pace of, of, of government, I suppose. But uh, yeah, it's just bizarre. Very bizarre. Sad for the driver. He's 23 years old. Now, that's that that kind of gives me a, a bit of pause for thought, too. What are they putting a 23-year-old attendant on board? Maybe they'll find out this guy, it was his fault. Maybe, he, maybe he'd been driving it all along and it wasn't automated and got behind the wheel. And um, I'm mm-hmm. being a little bit unfair yeah. here. <laughs> no, but you, you raise a point. If once, we, once we figure out, I'm sure once the news outlets, if they announce it, um, yeah, once we can figure out what caused this this incident, then we will definitely provide a further update. So we will, we yeah. will. Poor autonomous bus. Yep, and guy that got injured. Yeah. Uh, speaking of local events, um, you recently applied for a rather unique job. Why don't you fill us in? Because this was this was a, a sort of a, a lifelong dream or a unique experience that that you that you did to uh that this job sort of prompted you to 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 go through this path so fill us in yeah sure and um you know in previous conversations we talked about my goal of wanting to be an anchorman for a, a prominent news organization and that that is and was a dream of mine but another dream of mine was to was to be a pa announcer for a sports team, i.e. ideally someone like the Toronto Blue Jays or the Toronto Maple Leafs. I remember from the first times of going to games as a kid, always being intrigued by the public address announcer for whatever reason. And I would notice good and bad public address announcers whenever I would, I would always compare them to the the two that Toronto had in particular for their baseball and their, their hockey. And maybe I'll put a little clip of the two people in that uh, used well one did the the hockey Paul Morris who was known for kind of a monotone voice which I always liked and then uh, Murray Eldon who originally did the or was the second I think PA announcer for the Blue Jays and just the fact that I know that might indicate how you know into this whole thing I am but uh, we follow a team called the Oshawa Generals, which is a hockey team out your way. It's uh, part of the Ontario Hockey League. It's um, ju- a junior league from 15 sort of plus up to 20, 21, uh, which is a – they're not a farm team of any NHL teams, but they're what's called a feeder league, which uh, players in those in those leagues or in that league – can be drafted by an NHL team, but they're not actually, you know, going up and down from from the team. And just to kind of give some context to some of our listeners that may not be familiar with this, um, it's almost like a semi-professional hockey league, even though they are amateurs. Um, but just technically give, professional because they are paid. To give some context in terms of the the PA announcer role itself, um, the capacity for the arena is about. Five fifty five hundred people. Yeah, about um, five thousand. Yeah, yeah. So five thousand. So no, by no means a small number. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, this is something that we want to talk about because yeah, to be a PA announcer in in, in front of potentially an audience of up to five thousand people that that's a yep. big deal. Right. Good point. And um, the the other thing I should point out is that the the job which of which I saw the posting on a, in Facebook of all places on the Oshawa General's Facebook page was for a fill-in PA announcer. So they weren't looking for the 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 new PA announcer or a new PA announcer. They were looking for a fill-in announcer who would be there in case as a backup. And no idea whether they're eventually planning to retire off the guy that's doing it now, but it was for a fill-in announcer role. And when I saw that, I was very excited 
And so the requirements for applying for this job was to put a, you know, a little resume together and a demo reel, which I don't or didn't have a demo reel at that time and was like, all right, I guess I got to figure out how to make a demo reel. So I did put one together and you heard it. Uh, I think I gave you a couple of examples of the demo reel for some feedback. And so I did that and uh, applied for the job and uh, have yet to hear back. Now, this was probably six weeks ago now. Mm-hmm. But you said that even if you don't get a call back, just the experience alone was something that brought a smile to your face. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Putting that demo reel together was one of the most exciting weeks of my life. <laughs> and I know that's, that might sound like a, a weird exaggeration, but I knew what I had. Like, I just started researching, you know, what what type of demo reel? How long should the demo reel be? What should be in the demo reel? And it just put me on this quest. I was looking on YouTube for other people with demo reels. I started looking at my own network that I knew. Mike, who's been on this podcast, recommended I speak to his friend who works for Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. Um, I started finding other PA announcers out there who've done this and connected with them, got feedback from them on the demo reel. I had a hell of a, a heck of a time putting it together. It was uh, it was fun. So why why did you have fun? Was it the was it the the act of putting it together itself, or was it with the idea that hey, this could mean that I could be a PA announcer? Like, <laughs> was it sort of a bit of everything? Like, I, I guess just to kind of yeah, I I, I commend you for uh, applying for this role, but obviously, you know, we talked about how it would be tough to get into a role like this because I'm sure that they would want someone with radio experience or experience or with, PA experience or, or PA experience of some kind. Yeah. Um, yes. So has this prompted you to think that maybe there's other areas that other teams that you could try to be a PA announcer for, like some amateur teams? Yes. So why why did I have a heck of a time or heck of a, a fun time putting it together was because I just found myself, I mean, I had, so for people that don't know, I've never done this before. I've never been a PA announcer at a sports game. So other people who do demo reels will use actual footage of themselves from doing games. So a few of the demo reels I saw were, you know, actual doing it at, at a hockey game or at a basketball game. And I had to recreate that experience because I didn't have any. So I, what I did, or I had to create that experience. So I put together about five or six different types of announcements, like, you know, a goal has been scored, a penalty, do a introducing players, like as though the players were coming on the ice at the beginning of the game, you know, get the crowd going, did a public service announcement for like the charity that the generals are involved with. So I, and then, uh, you know, things like a, a bonus, like a contest mid game where people like a lucky fan, the winner of, you know, pizza, pizza gift certificate or, and so I had to build that and, Thankfully, my podcasting experience came in handy because I, I knew how to edit something like that. So I was looking up crowd sound effects, um, music. I had to write some of, well, I, most of the material I just, I created myself, like, you know, how to announce the goals. And that's just because I've seen so many games in my past. But um, I was, it put a big smile on my face and maybe I'll, included at the end of this episode if anyone wants to listen to it i'll put it in afterwards and people can listen to it if they want to hear what it sounded like yeah i guess is that something you can put in the show notes like something you can click on and listen to the demo reel like yeah i could do that or i could add it at the end i could say if you want to keep listening the the after the after we're done, you can yeah. listen. Can if you stay t- for those that want to stay on and and listen to the the demo reel, I can maybe yeah. pop it in at the end of this episode. Yeah, but bonus, but I loved it. It was footage, yeah. huge, huge smile on my face, yeah. and uh, I I was very very excited about it. Now the problem is that COVID and the Omicron virus or Omicron variant has uh, definitely put a uh, wrench in the works because I had actually planned, I talked to the guy that does the PA announcing at Ryerson and he agreed to let me come down and shadow him for a couple games there for hockey games. 
And he said, you can come on up in the booth. Uh, we've got our video guy, we've got our music guy, and we've got me. Happy to have you come up here and just watch you, watch how it's done. So, that's going to be on hold now. Oh, and one other thing. I'm not planning on quitting my day job because uh, even <laughs> yes. the person that does the announcing for the Maple Leafs, at least the last person, and many of these roles are radio people or they're involved in media. They have a day job where they're a radio announcer and they do this as a side job. So, it's not heads up anyone who listens to this who, who I work with. I am not planning to quit my day job. This episode is brought to you by Pace Painting. Pace Painting, serving all your painting needs, whether it's commercial or residential. Now, full disclosure, Pete is my brother-in-law, and I would recommend him to do work for anyone. He's done several jobs for us. We've always been satisfied. We've recommended him to friends and family. He's great. Email Peter at paintwithpace at gmail.com or visit his Facebook page at Pace Painting Inc. That's paintwithpace at gmail.com or visit his Facebook page, Pace Painting Inc. So Clark, you're making me nervous here. You said listener mail. I, I'm 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 nervous. What's going on here? I want to want to hear. Are this. we ready for listener mail, or we want to do that after the rapid fire? Let's do listener mail. Let's do it's that. it's really intriguing, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, curiosity is killing the cat here. Okay. Well, we haven't had any Christmas discussion so far, really, at this point. So this will take us a little bit uh, down that road. So okay. So I don't. I get uh, here. We are. So it says. Hi, Paul. So, directed Mm -hmm. to you directly, not to Hi, We Talked About This or Hi, Clark and Paul. This Mm -hmm. is directed to you. It says, Hi, Paul. Um, Hope you're keeping well. I'm an avid listener of the show and just wanted to throw my two cents in regarding your comments on Christmas lights from episode 63. Okay. I appreciate that having great Christmas decorations can be really pretty and absolutely make a neighborhood shine. That said, many people, including myself, don't celebrate Christmas and might not see the reason why we should decorate our houses. On the other hand, if I were in your neighborhood and being a house without decorations, I would in fact appreciate it if you knocked on my door to tell me what Christmas means to you and why you would encourage me to decorate my house. Perhaps if the reason resonated with me, I would be Mm. more inclined to partake in the festivities. And this is from... He signs it Sandman eighty eight. Okay, all right. Well, well, what do you think? Well, hey, it, it's a valid point, and uh, hey, I, I fully understand that there is many uh, cultures and religions that don't, um, I guess, celebrate Christmas in the sense that that I guess Christian people do. Um, so yeah, I, I I think the the intent of my comments were that. Um, I would no, by no means expect that every single house, like 100% compliance across the street. Um, I think where I was coming from this is that there was still large numbers of people that, that don't celebrate. And we're in, at least in, in my neighborhood, um, it's, I know it's kind of a, a weird thing to say, but it's not a very multicultural neighborhood. I heard sense. something the other day. So you, can I share the town you live in? Is that, are you okay well, with that? Yeah, in, in Whitby. I mean, in Whitby. South, South Whitby. But Somebody said, I heard it was called Whitby as a, uh, yeah. a play on that <laughs> name. So, you are yeah. filled with a large demographic of yeah. uh, wasps, I guess. Yeah, I, hey, I fully understand that there's going to be segments of, of the population that, that don't celebrate Christmas. And, and that's, that's okay. Like, it's, I understand that. Um, but what I mean is that there are large numbers of people that, that don't put the effort in that do celebrate Christmas. Um, so, you know, I guess we're... So for those that celebrate it, you, you think there's absolutely no excuse for them not to put lights out? Yeah, I guess that's where I was coming from in this is that you don't, it doesn't take a lot of effort to put up some kind of a decoration just in terms of, of the community spirit. Um, and I realize it's, it's going to vary a lot depending on, on where you live, where your neighborhood is. If you're in a multicultural area of, um, you know, multicultural part of the city where, you know, you may have a lot of cultures that may not celebrate Christmas, then yes, one would expect that you would probably have, um, you know, large segments or large areas where you may not have a lot of uh, Christmas decor. 
Um, you know, and it's not to make anyone feel bad or, or to, to kind of single out any particular group. Um, my view on it is the sense that it's, it's a nice thing to see. It's, it's a sense of, of community camaraderie. Um, you know, it's, it's funny. We were, I think we uh, understand. Th- 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 I think we understand was, your sentiment. Yeah. So the, the, there was a, a movie on TV a couple of weeks back, uh, Christmas with the Cranks. Is, is Tim Allen in it? And the concept of the movie is that him and his wife want to go away on vacation um, and, and not be home for Christmas. So they decided we're not celebrating Christmas. And I'm watching this movie and it's all about how the neighbors are giving this guy a hard time. You know, why aren't you putting up your Christmas lights and why aren't you, uh, you know, putting in your money for the, uh, you know, the community Christmas tree or something like that? I'm thinking, man, these. <laughs> These neighbors are real assholes to this guy. And then I'm thinking, hey, wait a second. Am I those guys? <laughs> Am I sounding like those those neighbors that, you know, are, are sort of offering that critique as to why people aren't putting up their Christmas lights? So I hopefully, well, I'm, I hopefully I'm somewhere in the middle there. I don't want to come across as like some, some hard-ass guy that, uh, you know, lays down the law and says, you must celebrate Christmas. By no means am I trying to do that. I just think that, uh, you know, a little bit of effort to... You know, for for those who do celebrate Christmas, um, yeah, put up some lights. What's wrong in that? Okay, well, as a as a coach in training, as you know, I'm training to be a executive slash life coach. I, I I do want to acknowledge you, Paul, for the awareness that you've demonstrated um, after watching that movie that you were able to reflect on yourself there. So uh, give yourself yeah. a, a pat on the back. Okay, I'll put myself give myself a pat on the back there, but uh, yeah, it's some. I didn't realize that there there's quite the the slippery slope when you really stop and think about it because uh, yeah, it's you know watching that movie, I'm thinking, geez, I hope I don't get, uh, hope I'm not perceived like the like the the asshole neighbors that were uh, shown in that movie. <laughs> I'm gonna have to watch that movie, Christmas with the Cranks. Christmas with the Cranks. Watching and you'll you'll see where I'm coming from on this. <laughs> All right, we moving into rapid fire? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let me get my timer set up okay. here. Yeah, so we're doing about two minutes per, per topic. Well, maximum of Not two about, minutes. it's an exact two minutes. All right, exact two minutes. There we go. Let's keep us in check here. All right, why don't you give us our first topic? Okay, I'm going to kick things off here. We may have talked about in the past where certain restaurants, when they describe their food, it sounds a bit pretentious. One thing in particular that kind of jumped out at me is that um, I'm noticing the trend now on a lot of restaurant menus is that handheld. I hate that. I hate that so much. Yeah, so sandwiches and hamburgers are now called, quote unquote, handhelds. That is so pretentious. Uh, I hate so that. So it's like a category yeah. of, of food. Yeah, and underneath yeah, it, you so would find burgers and sandwiches and things. Yeah. So since when did like a, a you know, a turkey club sandwich become a handheld? Oh, I can't mm. stand that. That is so mm. pretentious. And restaurants, and I, I hate it when, you know, certain restaurants overuse the term like artisanal or like baby green yeah. lettuce or baby carrots, that type of thing. <laughs> but those you know, are the and, names and I of hate those how, things, like, though. Even like baby green and... No, it's 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 a salad. Just call it as, as it is. It's, it's just a salad. It's not baby greens. All right, I, I I agree with you on the the art artisanal. That is definitely an overused es, es, word, especially when you get places like McDonald's and Wendy's calling stuff artisanal. If nothing <laughs> really? coming out of Wendy's deserves to be called artisanal, give me a break. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen anything at McDonald's or Wendy's called artisanal. So yes, that, yes, yes, I would art- agree with that. On on artisanal buns, yes, guaranteed. Look it up; you'll see oh, it. You'll be God. like, "Why nothing artisanal comes out of fast food chains?" Anyway, just that's my thoughts. I don't like handhelds. Call it a sandwich. Well, I guess it it is some way of sort of amping up the um, making a little bit more more um, fancy, I guess, to call it handheld versus just sandwiches. But I, I I'll go with you on. I'll go with you on that. I think handheld, and and I, you know, Peter and I, one of the listeners, um, we've we've both. Oh, we've run out of time. Yeah, 
Well, there you go. And we're serious. We don't we don't finish our sentence. We got to stop when the bell okay. bell rings. Well, I think it sounds pretentious. All right, next question. What you got? Okay. Um, what's the most expensive bottle of wine you've ever purchased from the wine store or the liquor store? All right, good question. Um, Not necessarily what it is, but how much? How much? What's the most you've spent on a bottle of wine? About forty bucks, maybe forty to fifty. I think is the most we've spent on a bottle, and that's got to be okay. an exceptional wine. Um, you know, my wife and I, we, we do, we are wine drinkers. We do a lot of wine tastings. We do day trips to the Niagara wine region. You know, we've been to California, Napa, Sonoma area. Um, so yeah, every once in a while you find a really nice bottle and yeah, I can, I can justify spending 40 or 50 bucks, but anything beyond that, yeah, not, not within my comfort range, but to some people, yeah, they, they think nothing of spending a hundred dollars. What how about you? Okay, so that's the most you've ever spent on a wine in a in a store. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, about forty. Okay, all right. And what is and what would be the average you would spend on a bottle of wine? Um, average is about maybe about twenty dollars. Um, yeah, it can range. Like usually, yeah, like eighteen, nineteen, up to about maybe twenty six, twenty seven dollars within that range. And I think you can get some really good wines within that range as well. Uh, I, don't, I personally don't think you need to get ridiculous in how much you spend. But as I said, someone with a defined palate more so than mine might be able to justify right. that. Right. Yeah, I think the most I've spent on a bottle of wine in a store might be ooh, $60, $70. But okay. if, I was to, if I was to buy a gift wine, I'd sp- I would go maybe 100 bucks would be about where I would go. If I was to go with a gift for something for a special occasion. Hmm. That's our timer. Okay. Uh, okay. All right, what do you got? Next question here. Is right. this loud enough, this bell? I can it hear it. It that loud. Yeah. All right. Okay, here we go. Keeping with this Christmas theme. You timing? Yes, I am. Okay. Why is Christmas the only time of year that we eat crappy foods that we would never eat at any other point in the year so for example like fruitcake eggnog in like baked fatty goods you know very indulgent espresso espresso drinks chocolate liqueurs like stuff like that that you really don't eat any other time of the year well certainly not like fruitcake or eggnog or liqueurs or anything like that but Obviously, yes, I realize it's the Christmas spirit and you're, you're getting together with, you know, social events. But why is it that it's like that one time of the year that it's okay to eat crap? What are your thoughts on that? Well, in, well, in some some cultures, you, you would probably include Thanksgiving as another time of the year. Certainly, American Thanksgiving, uh, I think there would be a plethora of foods similar to the ones you just described. Um why? I guess maybe if there were more occasions to do so, people would do it do it more. I think, mm. and I would say Thanksgiving. You could possibly throw that in for the Canadian Thanksgiving that people do tend to indulge and eat probably more than they should. Yeah. Not quite to the level, I don't think. Having having experienced an American Thanksgiving uh, buffet at a night, a very nice establishment. The, some of the stuff you see on the table there can be uh, like sweet potato with marshmallows <laughs> is like a big dish yeah. that I've seen um, as if sweet potatoes aren't sweet enough. You got to throw marshmallows in it. But I think our friends south of the border are a little bit more indulgent on, on Thanksgiving than we as Canadians. So I, I think it just comes down to just not enough opportunities Maybe, to yeah. uh, to do it officially. Yeah. And this is from a Canadian context. And you wonder if it's like marketing has something to do with it, with all the, the goods that only come out this time of year. But anyway, it just got me to thinking, there's a lot of stuff I would never touch with a 10-foot pole if any other time of the year. But because it's Christmas, bring it all bring it all out. Oh, I got my bell, my ringer fixed here. So it's going to be louder. It just right. went off. Oh, and I got all this okay. construction stuff going on. So I will uh, I will mute it. You, we'll need one of your topics. Uh, so let's give another one of your topics. Okay. Uh, here's another one in, in keeping with the food theme. Um, and again, this is very much a, a Canadian issue here. Um, but why is the espresso machine always broken at Tim Hortons? 
when they're trying so hard to, to push these espresso drinks. It's the this new thing that Tim Hortons, which is the major coffee chain here in Canada, trying to compete with Starbucks, you know, really pushing like the, the, the espresso drinks. It's almost become a comical um, endeavor. Whenever my wife wants like a, a, a mocha latte, uh, typically like, you know, the machine's down. Yeah, the machine is always down, and and, it, and it's truly comical, um, to the point where it is it is if truly a significant amount of time. Um, so it makes you wonder: Are they using cheap machines? Is it staff are incompetent? What what gives with that? Because you know, there you never hear about that happening at Starbucks. Well, let's let me get, let me just set the the let me just set this up. First of all, a Tim Hortons is. Similar to a, say, a Dunkin' Donuts in the United States. So that will probably give people some context. This is a place that is known for coffee and for donuts. And I'll throw bagels in there, maybe for, for extra good measure, muffins, things like that. It's very much a fast food type of establishment. Whereas a Starbucks, although it's, you know, franchises and it's, it's a um, brand, big brand name, there's hundreds of thousands of locations. It is not a Tim Hortons. So I think it's exactly what you said. Baristas, I would never apply the term barista to any employee operating underneath of a Tim Hortons roof. <laughs> right, good point. So your, your, first of all, machines, the difference in the machines as well is completely different. You see real cappuccino machines in a, in a Starbucks versus a McDonald's or sorry, a, I mean, you can throw McDonald's in there probably too. A Tim Hortons is literally a place with a machine that says espresso on it and latte on it. And you push that button mm-hmm. if it works and a drink comes out. That's what I was saying. And probably cheap machines and lack of baristas. There you go. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, it's a bit too loud. There. Yeah. All right. Really got the bell on that one. Well, now we know that it works. Yeah. Okay. All right. Tesla's. These things can park themselves now. I saw somebody in a parking lot standing outside of their Tesla and it was parking itself or coming out of a parking spot by itself. And then the guy got in and drove away. Does that disturb you or is that like, wow, that's really cool? Hmm. I guess, yeah, that's really cool. Uh, As we talked about before, when you're talking about the autonomous vehicle, it's, it's the way for the future. It's, it's the way things are going. Um, yeah, Teslas are pretty cool. Uh, my wife's cousin has a Tesla and, you know, I got a good look at it and how, how automated it truly is. Um, and it's only within a matter of years before most vehicles are going to go that route. Uh, but yeah, vehicles, yeah, and vehicles are itself. slightly, te- a lot of vehicles are autonomous already to a certain mm-hmm. degree, you know, like the, uh, the cruise control now it follows the vehicle ahead of them, the lane, the lane changing, uh, keeps you from getting out of your lane it'll actually stop the wheel from moving into the lane so there's already some automation going on cars as it is mm-hmm. so you can either be you don't even have to be inside the vehicle for this thing to park huh that's right yeah now that, which that is a is little cool. freaky that yeah it, it, it's, it, it's freaky to see but it's super cool there's a youtube it, video where there's probably several where you can see people doing it so mm-hmm. i'll put a link in the show notes Hey, it might, it might reduce like the number of uh, road rage incidents in uh, shopping mall parking lots and uh, people digging your cars. So yeah, if all drivers are uh, are self parking, that would probably uh, make for a more peaceful world. <laughs> well, one thing I want to make a comment about oh, this noise here. How bad is it on your side? Mm, I can hear it. Uh, we're almost out of time, but here, let me. Okay, there it goes. The um. There it is again. I was going to say that I think in some ways people fear these machines, but I think machines will make smarter decisions than than humans. So Mm -hmm. that's just food for thought. All right. Uh, My next question, while we're talking about shopping malls, um, with this uh, being in the midst of Christmas season, um, I just happened to be driving past uh, the local shopping mall the other day, and I was actually kind of some ways a little bit surprised as to the number of cars that were there. And this was like a weeknight when, you know, one would think it would be a little bit quieter. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, in this day and age where online shopping is so mainstream now, and especially with COVID, how most retailers have really ramped up their online presence. Um, 
you know, curbside pickups. I'm wondering, and, and this is a legitimate question, why are malls still so busy, though? Like, I, I wonder, like, I have, for me personally, for all the Christmas shopping that, that my wife and I have done, we have not stepped foot in a mall. We have not had to purchase anything from a mall. So I wonder, like, I guess there are some people that still like to shop in person, but why are malls still that busy? I would think that we're kind of beyond that now. But are malls less busy, in your opinion, than they were, like, before COVID? Well, okay, so that's the thing. I, I don't know. I'm just judging based on the number of cars in the parking lot. And there is still, like, a large, large number of vehicles in the parking lot. Whether or not that translates into sales, I don't know. I don't have those figures. But in terms of the actual bodies in the mall, I was a little bit surprised that there is that there's still a large presence of people that still want to shop in a in a in a mall. Yeah, I'm I'm just I'm a bit surprised by that. Well, I'm limiting how much I can say because this yeah. noise in the background here. Yeah. But uh, I think there is definitely less people out there. Uh, but I think there are still those that just want to be at a mall in person to shop. Have you done any shopping at a mall? Have you gone? Uh, I have taken two of my, well, both my kids a couple of times, and I did not come even close to entering that that building. <laughs> so the last yeah. place I want to be ever is in a mall. Yep. I think that's time. That's it for rapid fire, Paul. Another successful round. We need to move along here. Um, I think we're going to move into our what we're watching, what we're reading, listening to, etc. I'm mine this week's going to be a what I'm reading, uh, and it's Rich Dad Poor Dad uh, by I think it's Robert Kiyosaki. Book's been around a while. I think probably twenty years or so. And I want to say that Robert Kiyosaki, he's kind of gotten himself into a bit of hot water over the last few years with some sort of multi-layer marketing type schemes and things. But I don't want that that to take away from the message that comes from Rich Dad Poor Dad. It is a, a, an eye-opening book. I mean, it's not rocket science. A lot of the concepts he talks about, but basically, it's a book where he tells a story. He tells a story in kind of a parable format where he's got a rich dad and a poor dad. His rich dad is his, is a, his friend's dad and his poor dad is his real dad. And I just found the, the way that we talk about money, you know, the way you grow up hearing about money can have a huge influence on the way you look at wealth and, and that sort of thing. And I, I found that um, listening to this book has been an excellent eye opener for me. And a reminder of some of the things that, um, you know, might be holding many people back in terms of getting to a point where they can call themselves wealthy. A um, couple of tips that came from it. Uh, I won't get into it too far because I actually think this would make for a good book review episode for us. But things like rich people buy assets, poor people buy liabilities, you know, rich people buy real estate or stocks, poor people buy things like expensive cars. Um, poor people work for money. Rich people make money work for them. Mm -hmm. um, real estate example being a good one. And uh, true wealth is measured. This one I really like. True wealth is measured by how long you can survive into the future without needing to work. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I think we can make this uh, a book review club <laughs> uh, topic in itself too, because there's so many great concepts in there. So um, yeah, I haven't read the book cover to cover myself, but uh, yeah, I'm very familiar with, with the concepts of it where, you know, I think the, um, the, the concept that, you know, the sort of a, an old fashioned way of thinking where you just, you know, you, you work, you work for your paycheck type of thing. It's, we're, yes. we're in a world now where that's not quite good enough. Um, you know, just collecting your, your paycheck is is fine, but you're not going to get wealthy. You have to think outside the box and, and look at, you know, various uh, income streams in order to truly put you into that, that next bracket or next segment of the, the population that, that has, you know, disposable wealth at their, their fingertips. So. Yeah, and, and, you know, he kicks off the book by just talking about how one of the, the sad things in our society is that money 
and how to handle it is not generally taught in schools. Oh, I agree it's, completely. Yeah. Yeah. There, when, when's the first time you found out what it was like to have debt yeah. and what it meant and how to pay it off? Yeah. Well, well it was probably a year after I got my credit card yeah. and I was $4,000 in debt with a job that, you know, per, not minimum wage, but it certainly wasn't enough to pay off $4,000 in debt. Right. Yeah, I, I don't know what the school curriculum is now these days, but back when you know you and I were going to school, there was no courses on how to balance a checkbook or you know how to create a, a personal budget. Like they just, stuff like that wasn't taught in school, so it's no wonder the that odd a lot teacher of might have taught a little bit of it, maybe in a, a class. I think I did get one or two teachers that might have touched on it mm -hmm. because no one else was doing it, so there was a little bit of it. But I believe that this should be. In the curriculum. Yeah. Absolutely. In the curriculum of schools, mm -hmm. teaching people, teaching kids from as young as possible. Like, you could teach kids in the primary ages, very basic concepts. Yeah. And then as you go along into high school, start talking about, well, you're going to get a credit card in the mail one day or an application for one. And you're going to think all of a sudden this is money that mm. uh, free, is available to you. You know, oh, wow. Yeah. Like, I remember getting my first credit card. It was, oh, wow, now I can buy that stereo I've always had my eye on. Yeah. And yeah. you get a, you start out with like $500, right? $500. Great. Now I can buy this. And then you, you, you pay it off, minimum payments, usually like 10 bucks a month or something. And then the next thing you know, they give you a credit increase. Mm -hmm. Now, now you've got a $1,000 limit. Mm -hmm. And then it's 2500 then it's 5000 and it just goes on and on and on. I think this sounds like a future topic we got to we got to discuss yeah, let's this make in more it, Let's definitely let's, table it. Let's table this for another uh, another episode. Um All right, what do you got? Well, I finally jumped onto this Squid Game bandwagon. <laughs> mm. uh, I know that, that yep. you talked about it in a previous uh previous episode with Teresa. Um Yep. So, yeah, Squid Game. It's something that, you know, my wife and I kept on hearing about. And what is this Squid Game? And, you know, we saw the previews. Uh, it's on Netflix. And, yeah, it piqued our interest. And it's like, all right, fine. Let's see what this thing's all about. And, yeah, first episode, it, it started off a little slow. But by the end of the episode, um, you know, once they play the, the first game, um, yeah, we were hooked. We were hooked. We were like, wow, yeah, we got to keep going. Um so, yeah, just for those who have not uh, seen Squid Game, highly recommend it. It's it's nine episodes, about an hour each episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, the general concept being that, um, you know, financially destitute, indebted people sign up to play this, this game in which they are paid money if they succeed at this game. Um, yes. I, I don't want to give yeah. away any spoilers here, so that's all I'll say about it, but... Uh, I do want to ask yeah, you though. Just, it's awesome. I loved it. I've one of those that is very binge worthy. I, I do want to ask you um, when you watched it, did you listen to, did you put subtitles up or did you listen to, did you listen to the translated version? Yeah. Like the translated version. So like the English dubbing. And oh, God. yeah, there was horrible. You, you get used to it. Like there's a few scenes, certain characters that got a bit shrill at times and was was a bit unrealistic. Um, so you listened to it with like dubbing. Yeah, with the dubbing. Yeah. So it was a little distracting. But, you know, once you once you get past the first episode, you just kind of get used to it and you just kind of tune out the, the weirdness. Um but yeah, I, I don't don't use that as an excuse not to watch this show just because you know well, just, the, the, the plot. Well, I was going to say amazing. I watched it, I watched it with subtitles, yeah. so I got to hear the real voices of the people yeah. translated, and I believe that's the only way I watch shows like that. I will not watch a dubbed version okay. of a show. It's just because what they've done is just hired actors who are English speakers. Yeah, yeah. It totally it makes it for a different experience. Oh, but I'm okay. glad you enjoyed it. Anyway. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I absolutely enjoyed it. I didn't take anything away from it. Uh, but yeah, I know a lot of people aren't into you know some of the the foreign language shows. Some people don't like the dubbing or the subtitles. But yeah, there's certain shows that it's worth it. You can, you have to look sort of beyond you know the North American shows. Um, you know, I've received a lot of recommendations for, for many other, you know, foreign language, uh, shows and, and movies that I want to check out, um, which I will certainly do so. Um, 
just makes you realize there's so much stuff like on, on Netflix and Prime. Like there's so many good shows out there. It's you know we're we're living in like the golden age of television in some ways where we have access to so many amazing TV shows and, and movies. It is another golden age. You're yeah, right. Yeah. So okay, Squid Game for you and Rich Dad Poor Dad. For me, on the reading side, we are getting close to our time. We're pretty much over. Mm -hmm. But let's finish up with a quick weird news story. Sounds good. This one I had to double check. I used Snopes to double check whether this was actually a valid story. Uh, it comes from the Times of India had it reported. And there was also the um, uh, New York Post uh, and some of our listeners will be familiar with the New York Post. I think it's a bit of a tabloidish type of paper. But the, the headline is Two Killer Monkeys Captured in India After Revenge Massacre of 250 Dogs. What? So sensitive listeners, uh, you may want to skip over this. It's not too, too, too bad, but, uh, Two monkeys have reportedly been captured in India for killing some 250 dogs in a murderous revenge massacre after pooches killed one of their babies. The primate, this is where it gets a little bit sensitive, the primate perps allegedly slaughtered the dogs by dragging them to the tops of buildings and trees about 300 miles east of Mumba and dropped them to their deaths. Two monkeys so involved in the killing have been captured, and uh, the uh, they won't face criminal charges. They will be shipped off to somewhere called Nagpur to be released in in a nearby forest. Okay, so <laughs> this is so weird. So when they're talking about like these these killer monkeys, so they only captured two, but is there was there a gang of monkeys? Like, are we talking about like 10, 12, 20 monkeys or just these two monkeys that took it upon themselves to kill these dogs? Good question. They're called Langur monkeys, L-A-N-G-U-R. Um, they don't get into details, I don't think, here about how many monkeys there were. They, they just, it, there's probably several. I think they travel in packs, the monkeys. But um, apparently, uh, the, the, the sort of part that takes this uh, a bit further is that the villagers of this this village decided to try to wrangle up some of the monkeys, uh, but the uh, monkeys actually turned their sights on some of the local men of the village uh, who were injured after falling from buildings while trying to save the dogs. Wow, this is so weird. So, yeah, I guess this is a real issue with these you know, these dangerous monkeys. Like, you have to carry a sidearm with you when you're in India. Like, and you Well, way back, uh, Simon and I did an episode where we talked about these monkeys that stoned a guy to death by yeah. throwing bricks on him. Yeah, I recalled that episode, yeah. You know, and, and maybe for the show notes, you should include a photo of this Langur monkey, because I'm, I'm looking at it right now, and it, it's, it's, it's pretty small-looking, well, small-ish. You know, it's it's hardly an intimidating monkey. Like you would look at it, and it looks like it's like something cute, cuddly monkey you'd find at a zoo. Um, so to look at this thing, and you know, picture this thing as like this this horrible, sadistic killer. It's just it adds to the bizarreness of this situation. So yeah, let's let's add some photos on the show notes so you can get an idea as to what we're talking about here. Um, yes, they are. They are cute monkeys. The ones we did in that other episode were, I think, race monkeys, Reese monkeys, mm -hmm. which were definitely kind of scary. They had fangs and things like that. But those are cute little monkeys there. But yeah. I think it's a, it goes to show when you mess with one of a monkey's um, babies, you better be prepared to face the consequences. Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting as with many that, wild know, animals. Yeah. But it's interesting in the sense that these monkeys were smart enough to engage in like revenge tactics. That, right. Yeah. Like they, they set out to, you know, kill that many dogs. Like it's can. Yeah. It's just I, I didn't know that was possible. 
Well, I guess that just shows you how similar they are to to humans, right? Like, yeah. uh, I think if if it had been the other way around, I don't think dogs would have been going after monkeys and doing this. It's uh, just because yeah. of that higher level of intelligence. But um, yeah, don't mess with any wild animals, babies. Mm -hmm. uh, certainly not the langur monkey. Yeah. Well, there you go. It's it's our first public service announcement: is stay stay clear of the monkeys. Well, you. Um, have yourself a Merry Christmas and um, Happy Holidays and Happy New Year to everybody out there, however you celebrate, whether it's mm -hmm. with Christmas lights or not, <laughs> yeah. whether you celebrate Christmas or not. Um, but it's with a good opportunity to thank our listeners for tuning in and uh, have uh, all the best to everybody and hope Omicron doesn't, uh, or Omicron, Omicron. Which, uh, actually, that was another topic I wanted to say. Is how many times have you heard that word pronounced a different way? Oh, yeah. yeah many times, yeah. But, yeah, just to, to echo your comments, you know, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year to, to yourself, Clark, and, and to our listeners, our loyal listeners. Uh, it's been a, a great year. We've had, you know, uh, a lot of great feedback from our listeners this year. So, uh, sort of a 2021, you know, year in review, year in, in recap. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a fun year for us and it's been a lot of challenges and, uh, a lot of interesting news ideas and topics and stuff going on. So, uh, yeah, just to, to every, all of our listeners, uh, wish you a, a Merry Christmas, whether you happy holidays, whatever religion you are, um, you know, I send you all the best. And, uh, we're not afraid of you, listener mail. Please uh, send it our way, Sandman88. Mm -hmm. If you want to send us a follow-up, we're happy to read yep. it. And anyone else that has anything to say, we talked about this 99 at gmail.com is our email address, and uh, we're happy to take um, take your take your comments, and we'll read them out on the air. The the feedback we get from our listeners, it's uh, it, it's great to hear that, and you know, here we are, a couple of guys pontificating behind our microphones. But it, it's good to get some feedback and to say, you know, keep us in check, and you know, keep us on, uh, keep keep our facts straight and and uh, heading the right way. So, yeah, I encourage everyone to uh, to send us your comments. It's um, we we love to talk about it. Paul has a thick skin, so I'll, I'll, yes. I'll include all the other letters that I didn't share with you, uh, <laughs> and then we can go through you, those. You'll include all the hate mail. All right, let's... <laughs> all right, have a good one. You too. Take care. My name is Clark Luby, and this is my demo reel. And now, introducing your 2021-2022 Oshawa Generals. On forward, number seven, hailing from Berlin, Germany, Kevin Nedenz. On forward, hailing from Hamilton, Ontario, Dawson McKinney. From Stony Creek, Ontario, number 16 on right wing, Ryan Stepien. Oshawa goal scored by number 44, Brett Harrison. An assist by number 71, Ty Tulio. And number 25, David Jesus. Time, 10.38. Brett Harrison from Ty Tulio and David Jesus. Time, 10.38. Very goal scored by number 55, Brant Clark. Assist by number 81, Chris Grizzolia. And number 34, Ryan Del Monte. Time, 16.31. Brant Clark from Chris Grizzolia and Ryan Del Monte. Time, 16.31. Barry penalty to number 10, Vladislav Dvorachensky. Five minutes for fighting. Oshawa penalty to number 24, Andrew Witten. Five minutes for fighting and a 10-minute misconduct. For Barry, Dvorchensky, five minutes for fighting. And for Oshawa, Witten, five minutes for fighting and a 10-minute misconduct. Time, 17.45. And congratulations to everyone in section 109. You're tonight's Pizza Pizza Lucky Section. I feel good. I knew that I wouldn't. 
Ladies and gentlemen, please rise if you are able and remove your hats for the singing of the national anthem. This season, the Oshawa Generals want to honor those who helped the OHL community and the entire province through some of the toughest times we have all collectively faced. It's why we're introducing the Oshawa Generals Healthcare Hero, presented by our local Desjardins agents. At every single home game this season, the Oshawa Generals and Desjardins agents want to invite and celebrate a healthcare worker and their friends and family for everything they've done throughout the COVID-19 pandemic. We recognize that every story is different and that impacts are felt in different ways. We want you to be as much a part of this celebration as ever. To nominate someone you feel deserves to be celebrated this season, please visit oshawagenerals.com. <laughs>